So this is a conversation that I've just had with Dakota of Earth. And for those of you who don't know, Dakota is a fellow YouTuber, psychonaut, traveler, just a really great guy. And I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a long time. We first started arranging it quite a few months ago, but because of all the traveling he was doing, it took a while to, for the stars to align and for us to have this conversation. This conversation was actually a little bit unusual for me because normally when I schedule a guest like this, I've got a few days of planning to sort of get all my questions in order and stuff like that. And with this one, it kind of came together quite quickly in that Dakota messaged me during the day and we scheduled it for that night. And so I didn't have as much time to prepare. And I actually think I enjoyed it much more for that because I wasn't as reliant on looking at my notes and thinking, oh, I've got to ask this question, I've got to ask this one. And I feel the conversation flowed a lot more easier because of that. I think there's a kind of a bit of a lesson there for myself to try and let go of some of my control freak kind of nature. So maybe because of that, or maybe because he's just such a great guest and such a fun person to talk to, I think this is possibly my favorite one of these conversations ever. So I really hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. And without any further waffle, I bring you Dakota of Earth. There's not much to say. I'm sure probably most people will recognize the guy I'm talking to. And yeah, it's, uh, I'm just so pleased that I'm here with Dakota Wynn from the Dakota of Earth. And uh, dude, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for making the time to talk to me. Yeah, thanks a lot for you too. It's a pleasure to meet you also. Cool. I, so, I, mean, uh, I first heard about you when I was in Peru, actually, when I was at Arcana for the first time. I was in the Sacred Valley and uh, there was a group of us that just somehow were watching your videos. Actually, I think it was about Bufo. Oh, right, you, yeah. you made a video maybe about uh, Octavio. Yeah, yeah. So that was my first experience with Bufo. I um, and that, but that was here in in Zurich, and yeah, I was I went to a a psychedelic conference, and Octavio was one of the speakers there, and I knew nothing about him at that point, and they just kind of they were pulling people off to one side and saying, you know, hey, if you want to do a ceremony with Octavio, to go for it. So I. So I did. I just, I mean, at the time I would, I'd, I'd already done ayahuasca and, and DMT and all the other sort of psychedelics, but this, this is my first experience with Bufo. And yeah, we just sort of did it out in the forest, stood up, sort of staring at this one. Octavio, he always wants people like, yeah, stood up, staring at the sun, which seems kind of insane to me now. Um, yeah. But at the time, I just kind of went with it. And I just hit the ground like a sack of shit because your legs just don't work yeah. <laughs> in, the, in those kind of states. Um, and yeah, and then it was kind of weird because I, I, I had this very powerful experience and, and Octavia was very good with me. And then afterwards, I found out all this stuff about him, which was quite controversial. So it's a, it's kind of a weird relationship I've got with Octavia. I kind of I'm so grateful to him for that experience. And you know, I'm sure, as you know, when you know you go through one of the experiences with, you know, like a shaman or a facilitator, you can't help but kind of like bond with them a, yeah, a bit. But then I had to reconcile that with what I saw was some very strange practices and yeah that was kind of a struggle he, I, he I, like tases people doesn't he yeah he's, he's, he's got some very weird ideas which are, are completely at odds with my experience of him so um because he wants you to like be on your feet and he's got very strict ideas of how he wants this ceremony to play out which kind of almost then starts being like it's it, it's his ego you know he wants it to be like this for him rather than for you and yeah to the extent where he will it, 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 to call it a taser is a bit strong but it's more like one of the electric shock devices used on a dog um so he stuns people to get them up and he will pounce on people and just give insane doses of rapid just blasted up the nose while they're still fully under and 
wow. just doing stuff like pouring water up, stuff, up people's mouths. So it's, yeah, I, I, it, I struggle to, to work out where he thinks the good is coming in that because I don't yeah, think he's evil. With I that think one. Just, especially with that one, it seems like you just kind of let people go with that one. Make sure they're okay and safe. But other than that, the journey is just like, that seems like such a personal journey with well, yeah, IMU. Ex- exactly. I mean, that that's it. I think that's that's it in, in a nutshell. It is, I think, the most personal of all psychedelics because it's just so inner. It just, it, mm-hmm. everything just aligns inside. And so for him to, you know, for want of a better word, just intrude on that experience in a way that can, you know, is... It 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 look. I mean, it comes across as as harmful. I don't, I can't imagine there's a particular scenario where, um, sort of you know water needs to go up somebody's nose. But I'm I'm yeah. You know, you get into that. A lot of these uh, traditions, I'd say, and I realize five meo doesn't have as much of a tradition as, as some of the some of the other things, because you know I, I think about something like Cambo and. You, if I describe Cambo to you know to the average layperson, oh, you know they burn your arm and then they scratch the skin off and then they rub in there, mm-hmm. people think you're insane. Yeah. So I kind of do wonder with this with some of this October stuff. So like, is is this just me? Am I am I not getting this? But yeah, that my, my gut feeling is no. It's it's kind of he's crossing the line a bit here. And I think people have even died with him. Allegedly, yeah, and, and I'm I'm. Not too sure on where the truth is there. I, I, I've seen reports of uh, of people talking about that, but then it it just seems very unlikely that there's not then some kind of criminal situation going on. Yeah. Um, I I know that there have been situations where he's worked with somebody and then that person has like gone and committed suicide or because they've been in a high state they've gone and, and blundered into something. And this, this is not me making excuses for him. I think that's you know a very bad duty of care but that's it the the framing that's always that i've heard is that he, he has killed people on his watch and, uh, and maybe he has but i don't know i've yeah. for a fact if that's true but he's a strange dude i mean that's <laughs> there's no way around that but what about i mean i want to let's just let's start with the i can just i kind of think there's so many things i wanted to, to talk to you about mate so yeah if i could just like you know just tell us a little bit about what was going? Uh, what's been going on there for this last year and a half? Because I think my perception of of, of w- when I heard you were at Arcana was that you'd gone out there. Say, was it like the beginning of 2020? And then did you kind of like get stranded there with all this this COVID thing, or was it intentional that you were going to spend so much time there? No, it was only supposed to be. So originally, I went to Peru. I got in- invited to Arcana as a guest to go there and film videos and just kind of, you know, do that thing do the mm-hmm. whole whatever promotion thing and stuff and um two weeks one week in the jungle one week in the sacred valley and it was like a big de- a big deal for me because i was just like because i take like psychedel- like the psychedelic experience serious and i know um how intense these these um experiences can be and i i wasn't really ready to take ayahuasca mm-hmm. i was like i have no reason i feel like like other, i, I don't want to just come to peru to do ayahuasca just to make a video about it but I uh, ultimately went there, and uh, I guess this there was a huge, bigger reason, ultimately. Uh, the universe had plans for you, mate. The universe had huge plans. <laughs> um, so the owner of Arcana, Jose, he yep. uh, actually, after my two weeks, invited my sister to come. So I flew home for maybe two weeks, came back with my sister. Me and my sister, again, did two weeks, one week in the jungle, one week in the Sacred Valley. 
And while we, my sister left at her last retreat, like at the last day of her retreat, and she was the last flight out of Peru. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, it was crazy. They shut it down because of COVID. So I didn't think COVID was going to be serious. So I was like, I'm just going to hang out in Peru for a couple weeks. I'll come home once the borders open back up and things chill out. And like that, that two week anticipation turned into like a month, mm-hmm. turned into two months, turned into three months. And then I was like, oh my God, they said like, uh, they were starting to say, oh, we're not going to open until October, which yeah. was probably like four months away. I was like, I can't just be stuck here until October. Oh God. <laughs> it was amazing. I was living with, um, shamans. I mean, just kind of, it was really, really an amazing experience ultimately, but just, uh, just being trapped somewhere. I, I actually had to take a government flight home, like wow. a rescue flight, which wasn't really a rescue flight at all. They charged me like $3,000 and it was a packed flight. Oh, yeah, wow. It was, it was ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I got to live with these shamans to, um, one Shabibo shaman. And then just this kind of other guy who I'm not really sure where he's, he's from the jungle somewhere, but he's not a Shabibo shaman, but, uh, he works with within this family with Maestro Husina's family. Mm-hmm. I think you probably drank I've with no, her. I, no, I've never never drunk with uh, Just, uh, Justina. When I was the, um, it was um, well, I, I've been there three times, and for the first couple of times, it was um, Vila um, um, and Angelina, um, and I forget the name of the older shaman, and they were the kind of like a permanent fixture. So they were there the first two times because when I went. The first time it was actually Pulse Tours. It was before uh, Jose okay. took it up, took it over, and then the the third time that I went, it was um, a guy called Christian, and uh, Angelina was still there, um, and he was a really young guy. He was like I think I'm a young shaman, but he was one of the most powerful chairman yeah. I've ever met and it was and when I first got there I was kind of like bummed out like wanted to, wanted to meet Wheeler again you know I, I had my expectations were so locked in that I wanted it, this experience to be just like the previous time and yeah so it was a different crew you know the facilitators are always cycling around and but it was yeah it, it's it was a, a, just a great bunch and I think this is something I've, I've kind of picked up along the ways not to get too attached to these people in a way that it stops you meeting new people, you know, and I've, I've kind of opened myself up to experience because I'm an absolute control freak. I've, it's, it's one of the things that I've like, I always, I'm always planning ahead how things are going to be. And that just doesn't work in the jungle because you get out there, right? yeah. as you've discovered, you get out there and it just has its own way with you. So it's, that's been one of the kind of the challenges that I set myself. It was one of the reasons I went to the jungle anyway, in the first place. Um, but if it could just just come back to, to, to that experience that you had. So was was the entire group that you were with then, were you all locked in no. there then? So everyone basically stayed for a week after. They kind of were like, as, you know, Arcana was like, all right, everyone just stay for a week. We'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, we'll go we'll go from there. Most people, um, most people left even before the week and just kind of went into the town and stayed in hotels in the mm-hmm. town and, and just sort of figured it out. And, uh, yeah, eventually everyone took took government flights, rescue flights home. I, I waited probably three or four months before I, I took one of the last ones that they were doing. But, um, so Maestro Hustina is sort of, I guess the, the lead shaman now mm. at Arcana and it's her family that she raised also as shamans and people in her like immediate community and like her, uh, you know, her daughter's, um, husband, 
her son-in-law is like a really powerful shaman. He, he was, uh, just with me in Mexico. Um, so I was living with Justina's son, Eligio and a guy named Ardingo. And Ardingo is like, he's like this straight out of a movie type of shaman. He's kind of got these long fingernails. He's got like a gold tooth, like kind of how they describe, I've never met Wheeler, but they always describe Wheeler as having this sort of mystical, mysterious shaman with one eye. Well, it does exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, so he, I have he this complete looks apart. Cause, yeah. Cause he's, he's got this, this kind of scar through one eye. So it's just, yeah, yeah. straight away. This, something, this guy's something. kind of got that same mystique or that same aura, like this mm-hmm. mysterious jungle shaman. And he got bit by an alligator when he was a kid or a crocodile or something. And he's, he's got this big sort of, uh, like his leg is messed up so he's got Mm -hmm. like one short leg and when he was a kid uh he was using the plants in the jungle to heal himself from this bite he never went to the hospital or anything and uh during this sort of uh process of healing his leg he understood the power of the plants and that was his sort of start or journey to becoming a shaman and apparently he used to be like a, a brujo like casting you know deep dark magic yeah dark magic communicating with entities and you know just doing all this sort of he and he he died at gasoline apparently (laughs) what yeah in during his ikaros when he's singing ikaros he's calling upon gasoline okay so this is (laughs) sort of a vibe of what this guy is he's a crazy shaman Uh but he was there and he was one of the so the guests left and Jose allowed me to to stay with the facilitators and with the shamans. So for like four months, we just lived in the Sacred Valley. Just I think there was eight of us. And so, what were you, were you kind of there? There is just were you just sort of occupying the space, or were you going through the kind of like the four four ceremonies a week kind of thing, like a guest would? There was no guest, so we were just sort of just living there, like we were just like it was our home. We would wake up, and we all had our duties. We'd all, you know, you cook these days, and mm-hmm. you clean these days, and um, we probably did ceremony once a week, sometimes twice a week. I tried to skip them as much as I could, but they would really get on me if I skipped them. So this, you didn't feel as much of a connection then with, with sort of ayahuasca? Uh, I feel a connection with it. It's just such um, it's just such an ordeal, I feel like, yeah. ayahuasca. Especially to, do it, to go through four weeks of retreats mm-hmm. and then get stuck in Peru with a shaman <laughs> that is sort of like demanding I do these, uh, to do these ceremonies once a week. It's just a lot. It's a really, and to puke all the time. You know, towards yeah. the end, I found I, I stopped purging, which I thought, I thought was interesting. I suppose and I was able it, to connect to the to the medicine a lot easier. Yeah, it might be just because you've been living so cleanly at that point. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. On, exactly. on that sort of that that diet and yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean with with the the amount of ayahuasca. When I get to the end of like a two week retreat, then you you're glad to be going home. You're glad yeah. to sort of be, be see the light at the end of the tunnel. Jeez, man. After that, I told myself I would never. I was like, I'm gonna take it the longest break from psychedelics. And then Jose reaches out to me and he goes, Hey, you know, we're thinking about doing these retreats in Mexico. You want to come? I'm like, oh God. It's the universe, man. It's got plans for you. It's, yeah, it's got plans for me. So I said, Yeah. I went home for a while for Christmas. Um, and then went to Mexico. And I just was in Mexico up until like a week ago, until ten days ago, basically. And in Mexico. We were doing, um, it was actually really, really interesting because we had, um, well, the first bit of the retreats, it was split up. Uh, the first half was ancestral Mexican medicine. So it mm-hmm. was the Mazatecs with mushrooms, yeah. the Wiraricas with uh, peyote, and, um, and bufo. 
Bufo Toad. And uh, that was amazing to, to just uh, to, to help out the shamans during these ceremonies. Um, the peyote ceremonies are super cool, and the Wiradika traditions are super cool. Like this little thing here on the microphone is some bead art from the Wiradikas. Very cool, man. This yeah. is peyote here. I actually brought somebody to, to see you just to, because to, I've got my little peyote here. I don't know. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And this is, this one's actually got a bit of a history to Arcana because after, I think it was my first or second retreat at Arcana, and, you know, they're giving you the things to do to sort of, you know, get your fingers in the dirt, have, be, be creative, but you're going to get home, plant something. So I came home and I planted about 10 peyote seeds, and uh, this is one of them. It's still absolutely tiny. But I, I thought, since it. you've been to next up, this one's probably, it's either two or three years old now. Huh. Um, but yeah, I thought since you know you might you might be missing Mexico, I thought I'd, I'd, yeah, thanks. Nice I'd to meet you. Say so. it's, it's, it's pleased to meet you. Do you have a name too. for it? No, I don't. Maybe I should have oh, named them. I don't know. Yeah, we should. I, I'd probably give it in some the comment like, section. You can come up with a good name. Whoever gets the most thumbs up. That's a great idea. Yeah, name name the peyote. I do. I do sort of have a little uh, tequila hat for them sometimes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, he's enjoying the sun at the moment. The Wiradikas, they call it hikori. Hikori. Yeah, that's the indigenous name for peyote. He ah, cool. cool. Yeah, well, maybe that, that maybe that's the name. Hickory yeah, maybe, the yeah. So, so I just want to come back to to something you said there because I, th- I thought it was quite interesting when you're talking about going out there to make these videos, and then how that was sort of collide with the uh, the ayahuasca. And you've been doing this for a for a long time now. I think you've been, you've been on YouTube like ten years. And I don't know how how much of that I know it's some considerable amount has been um, you've been involved with psychedelics, but how do you find that sort of collision between the person who is kind of like you know reporting on the experience and you're talking about these things versus like the human being who is having it? Because this is something I found I I in particular struggle with when I've been to places like Arcana because. You know, I like self. I'm, I'm, I go there, and I, you know, I think oh, I can make some content about this. But then I'm like, it's that detachment of, well, no, you're here. You're supposed to be here for you. And I find myself often, like in, in ceremony, like, how will I talk about this? As a, you know, how will I describe this experience that I'm having right now? I'm like, shut the fuck up and just experience yeah. it. You know, just, just get out of your own head. And it, do you have that same issue? Have you got any, any sort of? Yeah, like, there's, there's two ways I look at it. Sometimes, like I think. I think there is a service in it into share into sharing these experiences because I mean it's really hard to find objective real information there's so much scary information about these things maybe not you know now it's sort of um maybe partially becoming normalized and having like a, a more objective understanding of these experiences but before you know it was really hard to find anything especially in a shamanic context um so I think that we are doing a service in that sense of of um you know, like kind of almost like anthropological work in a way. Um, but a reoccurring like flash of realization I get during ceremonies for like, the, especially like the last year has been just telling me to shut up and just stop talking about it so much. Mm-hmm. It's like, stop talking about it because the more you talk about it, for one, most people aren't ready to hear. I mean, like you can, I, it's okay to talk about, it, I guess, but for, to talk about the real deep, stuff about the psychedelic experience like the shamanic path and all this stuff that's sort of um on the surface is easily dismissible and you know maybe seems like some primitive witchcraft or something you know the the 
the spirits of the plants re- repeatedly tell me to stop talking about this stuff to people that aren't ready to hear it because it's not not only wasting my energy but maybe it's um maybe it's i don't know it's just uh it's just something i i that i hear a lot in my head when i'm taking these psychedelics is like stop talking about it so much yeah i think that a good line though that i try and walk with it is to, is to talk i think it's fine to talk about your experience and i think this this is something that you you do really well on your channels particularly not just with psychedelics but also with all, all your traveling it's it's always about so you know this is your you are being our eyes into this this view of the world and i think it's i think it's less so you so when you hear people start talking with authority trying to say that th- this is what this is you know this is you know this experience means this and you must you, you should think the same way i think or you know, and that, and that can go from either way from this experience is nothing but drugs acting on your brain right. through to this is, you know, this is, you know, trans-dimensional ghosts from planet Quargon or whatever, you know, so it, but any, anything where it's, it's kind of becoming good dogma that I, I, I try and stay away from, just, I find it's not interesting. I think that the, the inner journey, the, the story that we, we have for ourselves, I think is much more interesting than any kind of, explanation which of course there's no there will never become i don't think any consensus on these things because they just the experience itself is just so fucking weird so Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's i don't think it's something to be understood i think it's something to be uh to be felt really i guess i just don't get why nature has that experience hidden in the plants i guess it's just I, i i kind of go with with the the idea, the kind of the Dennis McKenna thing here is, is that there is something about a symbiosis here. It's it is a, sure. it's a it's a method of communication or a, you know a, you know, they have they have the thing, and we have the receptors for the thing. It's we, we've clearly evolved together, and there's there's something kind of mutual going on there, and I I, you know, I won't want to go as far to say we're sort of designed for it or something, but I mean we do we adapt to our surroundings and that's what what's kind of provided and i mean it's but it's, what what would the evolutionary benefit be to having create this crazy these crazy colors and insights and maybe it is just just for that just to give us right, to, just, to give just us to, meaning just to right. because you know to help help us comprehend the, the our lives when I, I watched one of your recent videos where was, i think it was something along the lines of like you know life is meaningless and yeah I, I, you know, I, I get what you're what you're saying with that video, and I totally agree. But some people would find that extremely disturbing. Um, but it's true; it's absolutely true. You know, we, I, I think of myself more almost as a spectator to, you know, what's happening. This is just happening to me. I've got no idea what the yeah. fuck's going on here. Yeah. You know, I, I often say like, I didn't, I didn't choose my wife. I didn't choose to fall in love with this woman. She just fucking appeared in my life, and I, she means everything to me. And yeah, what well, the yeah, I can't take much credit for that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely meaningless when you just look at it from an outsider's perspective. Like from our own little, you know, obviously our lives, we feel like we have meaning. Like you love your wife. I, you know, I love my cat and my dog and my family and stuff. So we have like these, this personal uh, relative, you know, uh, sense of meaning in our life. But like the universe doesn't care about that. If an asteroid comes, smashes, it's going to kill everyone we love. It's going to kill my dog, going to kill my family. So, like, ultimately, nature is uh, is indifferent. It doesn't have the same sort of, uh, you know, 
it doesn't apply meaning to the to things that we do. And I guess you could argue that we are nature, but um, we also live in all sorts of delusions. So I think like ultimately nature has a more eternal aspect that seems indifferent. And to me, I guess that, that means that life is is meaningless. But that's it makes it cool because even though it's meaningless, we still fall in love. We still are in like such a such a really beautiful experience as as being humans yeah i think i think i think meaningless is, is quite a like a loaded word there. i think yeah it's a loaded I think, word I, I think i would probably go with like it's maybe it's it's purposelessness because i think this is what i see you know with a lot of uh, religions are a lot of sort of you know people who do claim authority they're claiming that they have the keys to the purpose and i, I think you know just in light of what you said it, it, there is no purpose but i think there is the meaning i think is is what there is even in even in the you know fleeting moments you know even if like a you know a, you know some kind of very sad situation where someone might you know only be alive for a couple of years or you know or or a, or a plant that sort of blossoms and dies within the space of a season there's and it's such a fuzzy word but i i think that there is meaning to that and the meaning is kind of woven into the kind of the personal stories that we can sort of tell ourselves and i think that that is a big part of you know what I would think of as, as, as spirituality, and I, and I think this is something I'd, I'd like to sort of get into with, with you later, like you know around what spirituality means, because mm-hmm. I think you know I'm sure you describe yourself as a spiritual person, and I I certainly do, but it's it's associated with all this woo and stuff, yeah. And I and I just think of it as as this kind of alignment between who you want to be and what your sort of higher purpose is or what you perceive your higher, and that higher purpose can be whatever you. To, you know decide for it to be uh, but when you're walking that path then you feel kind of spiritually aligned and it's probably a never-ending path and i you know i i think the kind of this idea of enlightenment is has kind of been way overblown into into the concept where people think you can just do this and then put your feet up for the rest of your life and you're done mm-hmm. it's like la 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 I'm, I'm enlightened i don't think that's a, the case at all but yeah i, I think the um the, the meaning is there and i think that's why psychedelics are so important because when you have a psychedelic experience it is just pure meaning and yeah. i think you know you've talked about this as being like a this, you know these transcendent experiences and the the narrative of consciousness and the universe and time just unfolds spectacularly into this just this divine moment and it, i mean it's just a gift i mean it's just yeah absolutely yeah i mean i I, Uh, it makes me so sad people will die not knowing that this experience exists tragic isn't it i I remember thinking that the first time i smoked dmt it was like the idea that i could have died without having had this experience is obscene as if like the same as if someone who died without ever having had an orgasm it just seems such a such a part of humanity yeah it's i mean it's so natural and so it seems when we have these experiences to be so integral i mean for many cultures knew how integral it was like uh what, what did they used to call it in greece or in the i don't know if it was the greeks or the romans oh, the, the, the elusive mysteries yeah the the eleusis right yeah the mysteries of eleusis yeah yeah like that so i mean we there there have been cultures that have recognized this and um i guess the mysteries yeah that for me that's what spirituality is ultimately about is just about the mystery like you said it's about being aligned it's for me it's about being aligned to the mystery and recognizing that every moment is so weird and so strange that um 
it just makes everything all like the anything that we get caught up in like these stupid human stuff it makes it seem mundane when you just take a second to breathe and just like what the fuck is even happening right now yeah and that's why i think the mysteries is such a good word for it because i think it's it is supposed to remain a mystery i mean firstly yeah, it just no, sounds, it just such, sounds fucking awesome the, the greater mysteries you know and and that you have I this, hate it and love it yeah i, I kind of love it because I, I it's just it to me it says the thing that's supposed to be experienced but not necessarily comprehended it, it it is a mystery you get this kind of portal to it through this you know if, if my understanding around it's like a seven day ceremony where, where the mysteries will be revealed to you and and then you're kind of like you're good for life then because that's it, it you are so prepared for just what you know whatever life can throw at you or whatever death can throw at you um i think it's yeah it's just so bizarre that the universe would play out in this theatrical way like think about how theatrical <laughs> and dramatic human existence is oh yeah and this is just one little tiny speck of nothing in the in the universe and we're so i mean everything shakespeare jesus the buddha us just being weirdos in the jungle i mean there's so much there's so much just like uh what did terence mckenna call it he called it novelty there's so much just novelty mm-hmm and beauty and complexity and strangeness just here in our own little human world and that that's i mean i guess that that is kind of what spirituality is and i guess that you know it's just about um it's about just recognizing our place just that this experience is so strange that we that the universe is just seems to be unfolding and playing out and in a in a theatrical way I guess that's why they like universe. It's almost implied in the, in the name. Uni is like this one, mm-hmm. oneness, and the verse is like a song or a poem, dance yeah. or a poem or something. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's so humbling when you have one of these experiences, and it, it's, I mean, that's part of the the kind of the wonder of it to me is that the experience itself is just so incredibly humbling and sort of incomprehensible, but yet it feels so st- sort of structured. It, it, I mean, it is chaos, but it's it is also structure, and you have a place in it, and it's eternal. But you yourself are are a fleeting, yeah. you know, nanosecond on the clock of time, and and I you have it. and, and so you have strange. to grapple with all this in like in the moment. And then you have to go to work, and you have to, go to, school, <laughs> and you have to deal with relationships, and take care of a dog. Yeah, well, that's. Well, that's something I wanted to ask you about. Like, I mean, you, you talked about you know settling back into to your life back in in the US now. How? What do you think is? What, or, or rather, let, let's say, what what are your thoughts around this? What's being called like the psychedelic renaissance? You know, because we've been lucky enough to have these experiences, you know, in the jungle, and you know, or or other even just other psychedelic ceremonies or whatever. But yet, and this is exploding out into the mainstream, but not everyone's going to be able to, you know, have these same kind of traditional experiences like like we've had, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure like myself, you've done stuff at home and gone through the kind of like a DIY route. What what are your thoughts here now? Do, do you think is the shamanic path kind of necessary? Are we ready as a species for this explosion of mind-altering experiences? Or do you have any, what are your thoughts on all that? I think we are. Um, I think it's going to be in the form of technology, though. I don't think it's going to come in the form of psychedelics. But I think the same sort of mind-bending experience is going to happen probably within the next 20, 25 years. We're mm-hmm. going to be having natural psychedelic experiences through 
their technology, I think, just completely mind blown, almost problem. I mean, in a hundred years from now, 200 years from now, that's ve- being very like, like going for the long haul. It's mm-hmm. technology is going to be so insane that um, the sort of enlightening experiences that we get from psychedelics, we'll be able to get through plugging into something, you know, just be some algorithm. Okay. They want the spiritual oneness experience. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, that, I think that's that, coming with 200 that years. I mean, that's, that, that's 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 hopeful, you know. Probably yeah, way I, before that. Yeah, I think I mean it's definitely. I think there's, there's once those kind of those initial kind of interfaces are made, and they're already in sort of very early prototype stages. But is, is that something you would you are kind of hopeful for? That that I think that, it's just, I think there's it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's I think there's um, I think humans are just going to eventually turn into a technological species. I think right now, actually, the mushroom told me this during my last ceremony. Um, at, with Arcana, I had the craziest mushroom experience I ever had in my life. It'd be a whole, it'd take up the whole podcast for me to go into it. But <laughs> it told me that we are in the last stages of humanity and that it's, go, it's going to transform into something different. And it was showing me how the internet is actually like this, uh, it's like the hive mind mm. in that we are all gathering in the same way bees go and pollinate and stuff like that. We are doing that with experience and we are uploading the data to this hive mind. And eventually we're all going to be plugged into it and return to our natural state of oneness. And the mushroom is just explaining all this wildness to me. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think the shamanic path, I think it is, I think it's necessary. I think to, to properly have the experience and to integrate it into your life, you need a shamanic context to do it. Um, it's a struggle to say whether or not people need to travel to the Amazon or something to have these experiences in a traditional Shabiba way or whatever way. I mean, I think the pilgrimage is so important. It's such a big part of it. You know, maybe even more so than the actual experience of taking the ayahuasca, like the whole, you know, going to the Amazon and doing it with a proper shaman that was raised in a culture that revolves around this and, for me personally, that is such an important part of the process. I agree, um, and they have such knowledge of this. They they know, you know, like when we do mushrooms, we see we see our cultural or you know in the United States here the cultural relationship to mushrooms is partying. Oh, the colors! Oh, the funny feelings! I'm melting into the ground, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. In Mexico, in the mountains of Mexico, it's a whole different. It's a whole different perspective that they view it it's a complete medicine they give it to the kids mm-hmm. there you know it's not to like to use it as a party would be such an alien concept to them yeah you're using it for to party what do you mean <laughs> so like i mean it shows a sort of uh immaturity of our culture i guess for one but um it shows how it shows two things i guess it, it shows how uh how the mushroom has multiple qualities and it can be used to have fun or it can be used as a medicine but it can be the mushroom ex- experience can be super super powerful, and when you have the context, the shamanic context behind it, the inner pilgrimage to sort of guide you through it, it's uh it becomes a whole different experience. It's not about colors anymore. It's about like really healing traumas and uh, understanding deep alien concepts of you know the universe or speaking religious scripture and stuff. You know, it becomes a whole different. It becomes a, one of the most cherished experiences of your life when you have the proper context to it. Yeah. So 
I mean, I don't know necessarily know if it's if we need to go, like have like uh, you know you have to have a Shabibo shaman give you the to, to to do it right, but I think we need to honor those traditions and we need to um, we need to to utilize them in our own kind of ways. You know, I think we it, there is a blend happening, and there's ultimately you know in twenty, thirty, forty years from now, the Shabibo traditions are going to be a lot different than they are right now. Yeah. Hopefully they can maintain some of it, but it's, you know, the, the psychedelic world is exploding so much right now. There's going to be a whole wave of neo-shamanism, I think, and I, I don't think we can stop that from happening. I think it's just inevitable as, you know, the internet connects everybody and uh, this knowledge gets out. and uh, It's becoming super mainstream. I mean, there's even like, you can get psychedelic stocks, like companies that are totally, uh, yep. you know, you know, this is what they do on uh, like mainstream stock markets. So I mean we're getting there, and I don't think you know I don't think there's any slowing the the, the boulder from rolling down the hill at this point. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so, and, and I, I certainly don't think it's it needs to be uh, that would everything's locked into a Shipibo tradition. Although certainly I, I absolutely love that tradition. I think it's something the synergy between that and that tradition and ayahuasca. I've I've done a few different ayahuasca ceremonies, some mostly with the Shipibo, but some more sort of neo-shamanism or, or some are more of the, uh, the sacred valley uh, style shamanism. Yeah. And yeah, my, my heart is, is kind of with the, the Shipibo one, but I think the the thing that comes from that is some sort of framework, I think is 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 the way to have it. And, and I think that it's that framework that when you talk about the sort of the party use of of psychedelics or, or any, any substance, that's kind of not there. So it, it just it kind of collapses in on itself into this kind of let's just see how fucked up we can get on these and let's dirty each other to get, you know, insanely fucked up and then yeah, just smoke ridiculous amounts of salvia or whatever. So I think that's what I would like to see come into the, the, um, into the psychedelic Renaissance is just um, more attempts at a a, a container for those, for these things. And with it, with that container, I think there needs to be, if we're going to, take this as seriously as, as, as what we talk about like oh wow, this is this is medicine this is this is the new wave this is what's going to save mankind then we need to sort of have not just the people who want to sort of you know pour the medicine and be the cool person who, who's holding space but also the people who are going to pick up pieces of brains on the floor as people absolutely lose their shit which they inevitably will because you know we've got this kind of hundreds of years of culture then colliding, you know, which has raised us all one way and built all these structures, which is then going to yeah, just hit the wall of, like I say, the, the, the awe and wonder of the universe unfolding. And yeah, uh, some people, it, it just blows their mind. I think as a species, that transition is going to happen no matter what, whether mm-hmm. it be through psychedelics, through the collapse of culture, through technology. I think right now we are in the tra- we're in such a huge transitional period right now as not only uh, here in the Americas, you know, crazy right now, mm-hmm. uh, but all, all over the world, I feel like everyone is experienced, not, I mean, COVID, everything. There's so much right now that is um, guiding us to like such a, to, to a new, to a new stage of humanity, I feel like. I mean, it's interesting to be the humans. We're sort of the in-betweeners. We're the, we're the people that were raised before really technology was super normal, like, I'm sure, you know, you're the same age as me, more or less. We grew up, I, I mean, we didn't have cell phones growing up. I remember maybe we had, I had dial up by the time I was 11 or 12, maybe like just entering my teenager years, we had mm-hmm. dial up. 
and uh i mean yeah it's the stuff is is happening so quickly and, and rapidly changing so fast that i mean it's going to be unrecognizable and we are the people that are carrying that in we're the we're like our generation is the generation that was pre-technological to technological to the future basically mm -hmm. i mean think about how different we are from today's kids from when we were kids it's yeah it's, uh, it absolutely utterly different experience like there's, yeah, not, yeah. there's not even it's not even it's completely different and i think it's just going to keep getting crazier and crazier so i mean in in three four generations from now these people are going to be experiencing um they're going to have no choice but to confront the things that we get confronted with during the psychedelics whether it be the mystery the traumas all of that the whole package is going to come unfolding pretty soon yeah, and I think part of that, what you just said, is that we we have sort of experienced this technology transition, but I don't know if we've fully experienced what the technology is doing to us. And I think that's that's yeah. kind of what you're saying with, with the kids. My kids, who were, you know, they're 14 and 11, they have, yeah, like I say, grown up in a completely different world in a completely different social situation to me. And that's only going to get compounded as as technology ingresses even more onto us so yeah i mean we are we have kind of midwife you know well i mean yeah i mean you you just you only need to talk to uh, your, your parents to realize what a, kind of dinosaurs they are around this stuff yeah. and, and i'm the dinosaur now <laughs> you know as, when i talk to my kids they're like they, they they would roll their eyes at the idea of, of me using skype like what is skype <laughs> these days you idiots you know that's so funny or even like the shamans in the jungle yeah, yeah like the older ones mm -hmm. like i don't know the ones that were with with arcana when you were there but like justina i think she's 63 so for her to be 63 already that generation has is, is even more they've seen even crazier stuff than us as the world has changed but she's from the deep jungle she was raised in a shamanic tribe mm -hmm. that drinks like crazy visionary tea as yeah. like this is normal for them and then she got to see it she got to see the jungle become uh, you know, unfold into sort of um, connecting to mm -hmm. the, the world a little bit. And then she got to see ayahuasca become mainstream. That's got to be such a, I always just like think about her experience of the world must be so crazy. And she's just giving all these gringos now a bunch of ayahuasca. Like this is old woman. I mean, it must just be so wild watching the world change as an old woman that was raised in the jungle. That alone is crazy. Yeah. And now you have all these just like gringos from all over, people from all over coming to drink your medicine. And it's just got to be such a, that that has to be a psychedelic experience for her. Oh, I can, I can only imagine. And I mean, I, I with the, with Wheeler, I was talking about earlier, he comes across to um, to Spain every so often, which is so useful to me because, and I think this is possibly part of this explosion in that, you know, the, the, sh the shamans and the traditions which were kind of locked in the jungle, now there is the opportunity for, you know, to, to go around the world and, and and spread their medicine in places. I heard Wheeler's great. I got to meet him one day. Oh yeah, I mean, if you if you get the opportunity, um, he's just such such a grounded guy. And um, yeah, yeah I mean, he's he, a real deal, real deal shaman. Yeah, very very similar story to the, the guy you were talking about with the with the alligator. Um, sure. He he was a, a fisherman and had no aspirations to be a shaman. And then one day he's kind of like thrown his hook and it's caught in his eye and he's kind of sliced his his own eye yeah. and then, so he's turned to the plants to try and heal it and then he's found his calling so he, he's just got this 
this very distinctive look, and he's just such a friend, you know friendly guy. He'll just you know happily talk to you about all his experiences. And um, yeah, I've, 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 I'm like I'm very lucky that he comes across to, to Spain. Obviously, I've not seen him now in, in the last like year and a half, and and this has been one of the big downsides to the whole pandemic thing for me because in in a time when you you kind of you're feeling your soul ache for connections and you're feeling like the stress of the world kind of build up and like I've just been so desperate to like you were trying to get out of Peru I was trying to get into Peru <laughs> and yeah. but you know th- that the world had sort of different ideas but as soon as um the kind of the, the travel restrictions are a little bit easier I want to yeah go back and do it another couple of weeks somewhere in the jungle but the main thing is I just cannot face those that like 18 hours of flights and the kind of double mass right sort of oh god it's crazy yeah right situation. now is the worst time of travel yeah yeah it was uh, i mean i know someone who's just come back from our car and, and uh she was saying like i've, I've got to go i've got to go to our car. i'm really feeling the call and i was like dude just wait a little bit you know maybe it's you know i, I think these these travels restrictions are going to really take the edge off the off the retreat but she said no i've got to go anyway she went she she you know, had a good retreat, but she was like, yeah, you were right about the, the travel. It just, mm-hmm. it taught, you know, getting to Lima and then having to do another test and it's all happening in Spanish and she didn't understand and very stressful. And I think this is part of what you were sort of saying before, although to a, a more extreme degree is about that pilgrimage. Cause I certainly felt that when I went to, um, to the jungle the first time and yeah, the, the, a pilgrimage, I think is exactly the right world. And it kind of, it kind of breaks you. And it's, it, I think it's a big part of that surrender um, because it's I, the whole you know, storyline It's it, the whole, it, like there's the buildup, there's the peak, the climax. And then there's like the end when you're like, yes, I, just I made it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even every just part of it from, you know, from getting there on the plane to sort of when you first see the sort of the Amazon, you know, you go to like the sort of dawn of the Amazon cam- cafe. And the whole sort of time you're like, what am I doing? Exactly. Exactly. When you when you get on that boat trip and you're like, what the fuck? I am so out of my depth here. Like this is insane. But I mean, you do so much traveling, and I just I just want to kind of yeah. The whole time I'm thinking that too. What the <laughs> fuck am I doing? Well, I, I just want to want to say that just one of the reasons why I I love your channel so much and your content is, um, I I mean I think from the you know the, the psychedelic psychonaut sort of you know perspective, uh, I you know. I've got to say, mate, it, lo- it looks like you're living the dream. I mean, this is, I think if if I was having a, a different life um, where, you know, where I hadn't made the decision to sit down and raise kids and I'm I'm like, wow, this guy is doing it. And I see, you know, your, your travels yeah, and like Gobekli Tepe and sort of yeah. all these places you visit. It's just so awesome. So I, thank you. <laughs> what, what, you. You mentioned like you, you get the, the what the fuck moments and how, how does that reconcile with, with, with your desire to travel? Well, so the, all the traveling really started. I, I got this really lucky break with this music festival called Vans Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. And they allowed me to come up and they had sometimes 30,000 people would be at these festivals. And I was able to sell T-shirts there. Uh, I have a T-shirt company that I've been running yeah. since I got out of high school. And um, it, I did this for six years every summer. We would go travel all around the United States. I would travel with all these different bands, like rock and roll bands, and sell these T-shirts. And I ended up being able to save up enough money to like just sort of relax relax you know and hang out and i just 
traveling always felt like one of those things where it's like, yeah, maybe one day it'll be cool. It's like a dream. Mm-hmm. And then um, after I was doing Warp Tour, I was uh, doing tri- trimming weed in California. This was like a thing back in the day. It doesn't happen too much anymore. But back in the day, you used to be able to go to California up in the mountains and you could trim weed and you'd make like a, a lot of money just trimming weed and you would just chill and you could smoke and you'd watch movies and you'd be on these crazy weed farms where you look out and it's just acres of weed and you're just in nature and it's beautiful. And I was um, dating a girl at the time who knew someone that knew someone and she got us this job and we were just chilling. And uh, she was talking about this festival in Costa Rica called Envision. Mm. She was like, oh, we should go. And I was just like, yeah, why wouldn't I not go? I'm just going to go. And then I just bought the ticket and then we just went. And that was sort of like the the realization where I was like, I can just do stuff. I can just <laughs> buy a ticket and I can just go and like it's like I can just do it. And uh, that was the, the real big push for me to, to travel. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm s- still I, I mean, that money has allowed me to kind of survive i wouldn't say i still have that same money but it's always uh i've always been able to uh have like a base you know and um yeah i mean that that music festival which is you know it's weird in my because i grew up going to this music festival it was like um a a crazy dream of mine when i was a kid to like oh i want to go i want to travel with all these bands on the tour and then when i became a youtuber i reached out to them and somehow this full circle thing happened and uh yeah, I just it gave me the confidence to just go and just see things. Just keep on trucking. Yeah, but I think that I mean, if I can sort of elaborate on that, I think there's you know a lot more than than kind of you know what, what you could pack into that uh, that description because I mean you, some of the places and so, some of the activities that you that you do um, are like so far off the beaten track um, and just so cool and I just to sort of you know throw in there the, i think i think one of your quotes that you, you came up with on these videos say, say that whenever an opportunity presents itself you 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 just always say yes because this is the kind of like the universe sort of giving you a chance and i yeah. i thought that was an amazing and, I, and this i think the particular one video that was on it was one where it, you were like going meeting some satanists or something like that and <laughs> and again this is not something it's not the typical uh thing that you know the traveler or, or the or the spiritual right. person does, but you you do it, and I think that's it's so cool that you um, are open to these experiences rather than sort of you know, oh this this doesn't you know you, you don't necessarily see a conflict um, between or that's what appeared in it between say yeah. the, the the spiritual uh, activities you talk about and going meeting another human being who just happens to be declare himself as a satanist or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, no, I'm totally interested by anything crazy like that. Like I, in my mind, I'm I'm really inspired by people that have crazy stories. Mm. Like I really love uh, the beat beatnik generation. I read a lot of Jack Kerouac and like Allen Ginsberg. I have some of their books next to me, and like Ram Dass and all these guys. They lived such crazy lives, and they live such crazy stories. And they always talk about these wild characters they meet in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all have those characters in our in our own lives you know people in our lives are are such characters and for me like i just view life as a movie and like even some of the stuff i've done i don't feel like i really have done it like it feels like someone else has has like i don't feel like a person that has 
you know, went to a satanic cave and hung out with these Satanists. And it just feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like something. It just happened to you. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I just, yeah, I, it's it's all for me goes back to the mystery and just chasing the mystery. It's all a spiritual practice. It's like that, That's all like uh, putting myself in these weird situations, these uncomfortable situations, or just saying yes and just kind of seeing what happens mm-hmm. is like watching a movie unfold. And I don't know, it's fun. It makes life fun. And it, it seems like it seems like when you start accepting life in this kind of way and just like allowing yourself to just be on this conveyor belt and just like watch life as it happens it seems like npcs just start popping up and like mm-hmm. this this like these strange people that start showing up and start hey, come over here i was in transylvania walking through this town and this crazy little guy comes up to me out of nowhere and i didn't speak apparently i have i have the video on youtube romanians are saying he's not speaking any romanian language they're saying he's speaking hungarian the Hungarians are saying he's speaking Romanian. So apparently this guy is just making up a language. <clears throat> and I, I get the gist of what he's saying. And he invites me to his house. And I just follow him to his house. And I just sit in this guy's family's house. And his family's just all scrunched in this room watching Disney Channel. Drinking coffee. The dad has like a pacemaker on his heart. This is a crazy situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just in like this Transylvania village. It's got It's like total Transylvania vampire village with like the fog in the... <laughs> And then the guy tries to get me to follow him five kilometers into the into the forest. He's like, I got to show you something. Come oh with God. me. So, but this just random situations just happen when you say yes. <laughs> that would never just ha- like that's a crazy story, and it would just never just happen unless I just didn't say yes to stuff. So, and especially with YouTube uh, content, it gives me you the most interesting content. I feel like when you just say yeah to all the people that come up to you. I mean, it, take, it takes a lot of courage, man. I think it's uh, like I, said, I think it's very inspiring. I read the situations, you know, like I, if I felt uncomfortable, I would definitely. Yeah, I'm it. sure. Yeah, I, I don't get the impression there's anything that it's uh, it's carelessly what you're doing, but still, it's. I think it's. I mean, just just to do these things, it, it it is something I think a lot of people dream about, and whether they could can't do it for sort of financial reasons or whatever. Again, I think this is the cool thing that you get to. You know, take us take us on these uh, journeys and it's also just not as expensive as people think it is like i understand if you have kids and you know you you really financially you have you know dependencies and that you have to take care of but if you're just like a, a you know in your young younger ages or you don't have kids or you don't have much responsibility like i don't have a car i don't really have a home my my family owns two two homes right next to each other right here so i just stay here when i'm around in the united states and it's really the the most expensive part is the plane ticket for the, at least mm-hmm. the countries I visit, like Mexico, India, Eastern Europe, the Middle East. These are really really cheap places for the most yep. part. So you know you spend the thousand dollars on the plane ticket and then you live for like a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah, I think it's that anxiety. I think it, it, it's because yeah. it's kind of it's, it's drilled into us to for sure. you, you've got to have a house you've got to have a, a plan yeah, don't for sure. don't leave your job because then you'll have to you know what are you gonna do then yeah you, but so, you figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, exactly. But people, of the, of... I think for you know, and when we talk about sort of people like sort of Ram Das and whatever, the or you know, or yourself, these are, you know, it, it is the people who've kind of said, well, no, let, let's let's get on the conveyor belt, let's let's see what happens, and and then all like you mentioned, all these characters do start appearing, and 
it it just works itself out in, in a way without being trying to sound too flippant about it. But it it kind of comes together, and you can, you know, if you don't go looking for these experiences, then they're not going to happen to you. But I think that's the hurdle that a lot of people can't quite get over, and so we end up with you know a lot of people envisioning that they will do these things when they retire or sometimes yeah. they, they put it off they, they put a, a kind of a gate in front of it or a hurdle in front of it so it's like oh no that will happen then yeah and 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 then i'm the opposite know, i'll figure it out later yeah which is which is awesome mate. i think it's like i say it, it is a very um i don't, I don't want to sound like patronizing with saying it's, it's a brave thing to do but i i, I admire it i'll put it that way Thank i think you, it's, I appreciate it's, it. it's, it's a it's, it's a very cool thing i mean i have an interesting life well, that's a, that's the perfect sort of service to life, mate. That's the, I think that's, you know, you've been given the gift of life. Live it to to, to your sort of fullest. I mean, I I sort of get to do. I'm quite lucky. I get to do a bit of traveling with my family. Yeah. We've, I mean, that is one thing that has, I you know, it might be a bit controversial to say, but it has been an upside to the pandemic. In that I was been away in in Greece and I've just been to Egypt in the last couple of months, and it was empty i had like egypt That'd be cool. to egypt. myself it nice. was where'd you yes. go in egypt um so we we went down to uh the southern part and so um we were so doing all that sort of valley of the kings and that part we didn't go up to up the Giza plateau um because of yeah the, the, the sort of the, the travel situation was more restricted there so yeah we were in uh, hagada and then we went across to shit i forget the name of the the place the place where the, where the valley of the kings is anyway um, and we would sort of just walking, like if, if you, you know, if I showed you some of my uh, holiday photos, it's just me. I mean, it's all the, all the tombs, there were no queues for anything. All, every picture we took of every destination, it was just my family in it. It was just, yeah. Cool. Like the, the guides like were saying to us, yeah, you do not know how lucky you are now to have this. And so, yeah, there was no kind of like standing outside in, in the baking sun and it was, yeah, amazing. And same when we went to Greece, we were just walking around, sort of like you know, uh, the, the Parthenon and all the sort of place, and it just completely yeah. empty. Yeah, that's so cool. The week I left Peru, they opened up Machu Picchu, and they were only letting in like really small amounts of people. And I was like, oh man, that'd have been so cool to go to go to Machu Picchu and be like one of a hundred people there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the, the times I've been, it, it's been, I mean, yeah, just absolutely sort of rammed. You kind of every, everybody's queuing up for every sort of you know selfie kind of thing of all the all the uh all the typical locations but still i mean i, I loved uh aguas calientes is, is, is one of my i mean it's like some trace of avatar i think when you when you get there and you just see the kind of cloud forest and all the yeah and it's usually pissing down <laughs> so it's it's such a cool place i can't wait to uh, uh to get back there but uh, where, where would you say is your favorite sort of place that you've traveled to I think India. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think India is. India is, uh, it's just got this rawness to it. And I really uh, thrive in the rawness, like creatively and productively. And like, uh, I just feel sort of like, I like the, the feeling of the pressure of, uh, of, of the sort of chaotic culture of India. Um, and it's, just beautiful the country has just got everything it's got mountains jungle desert uh it's got tribal culture it's got yeah like beautiful animals i was over in the northeast part of india where no one goes for some reason i don't know why i almost don't even want to tell people about it because it's it's so 
Or you want, you want yeah. to stay yeah. untouched? Yeah, I just wanted to stay stay how it is. But there's uh, fields of rhinos that are just grazing wow. the fields, and you just just there they are. You know, it's just like that's a rhino right there. It's uh, it's super cool, and I, I've never heard anyone talk about it on YouTube. I've never heard people say like must you know places to check out while you're in India, but like that's like top of the list for me when I recommend places to go in India, and um, I feel like Hinduism is also such a shamanic religion. People don't recognize it as being a shamanic religion, but um, it's actually is the largest shamanic religion that's still practiced. I feel like, and even in the Yoga Sutras, um, they're written by this old uh, yogi called Patanjali. This you know arguably arguably like the know some of the the most important yogic text is the yoga sutras and in the yoga sutras um patanjali talks about uh the four different methods to gain siddhis in india a siddhi is sort of like a a deeper realization of the universe or some people call them like supernatural powers it's like a psychic it's like a heightened psychic sense of you know of the reality like the, the gaining insight, like a, the same thing mushrooms give you, or something like that, like these sort of experiences. Mm-hmm. And he said that the four dif- the four different paths are austerities, which I take to uh, like in my head. I guess like an austerity would be like the, the the yogic postures and these hard things, and you know like the austere practices, mm-hmm. uh, hard hard things like that, and uh, mantra repetition was a way to get you there uh deep concentration was a way to get you there and plants uh like these uh psychic plants or uh he had there was a sanskrit name for them but basically like these divine plants okay so in the yoga sutras it it, it recognizes that as uh, like the plant the visionary plants as being uh, a bona fide path to realization but people don't ever acknowledge that really you know you don't ever hear anyone talk about yoga and you know you know let's you know let's take some detura and do yoga but shiva if you look at some old stories of shiva shiva has a detura flower that grows out of his chest really yeah and uh when you go hang out with these sadhus in india the ones that are you know really out in in the caves or out Mm -hmm. in the jungle they're all just smoking weed they're getting as high as they can they just sing all day they meditate all day it's like totally it's a total shamanic religion so like I, i've india is 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 an amazing country for everything i'm into yeah i, I was watching one of your videos with you with you and tom sort of hanging out with uh some of these guys and i, I was i was kind of wondering like when you go on these um travels like how, how do you communicate with these people to, to come even come into these situations of because i'm assuming you don't you don't know all the languages or, or do I do no. take it. <laughs> well, how, I, I, how do you get yourself in these situations, Dakota? It's just say yes. Say yes <laughs> in situations. So those guys, particularly in that video, that group of sadhus, um, it's a long story, but I used to do kind of like a video work with the Ramdas Foundation, helping mm-hmm. them with social media stuff and just any whatever they asked me to do. You know, I was happy yeah. to help how, whatever they needed from me. And they were all going to India the same time I was going to India. So they invited me, come meet this Baba, come meet, come hang out with us and meet this Baba. And I went and met this, these group of sadhus with those guys. 
And then ever since then, I've always went back to visit these sadhus. And I was like, Tom, you got to come meet these guys. Like, we'll go in the jungle and we'll just like smoke weed. It's crazy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's how those particular particular situation is, you know, how I met those guys. But um, yeah, I don't know how we communicate. <laughs> it's just it's through <laughs>, laughs through hand signals. And yeah, I know I know a little basic Hindi, like. I don't even know how I'd call it basic, but like I know very simple, simple, simple Hindi that mm-hmm. if someone was talking to me like a baby, I mm-hmm. could understand what they were saying. So that helped a little bit. You know, I spent a lot of time in India, so I was there oh, for cool. almost a year, I think. So. Yeah, in India is definitely it's on my on my list at the moment. It's it's the best. God. Seriously, such a beautiful and I love Jordan. Jordan's one of my I would put Jordan up there, and Jordan's my top five best countries. Which is another one you don't really hear people talk about going to Jordan very often. Um, you know, you don't hear a lot, a lot about it, but I think it's it's so, which is weird because it's so recognizable. Um, you know, with a lot of the um, the sort of the, the ancient architecture, you know, the kind of like the the tomb that was in one of the Indiana Jones films and yeah, Petra. Yeah, Petra. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the sort of um, so many like music videos have been made in, yeah. in Jordan, so it's very recognizable. But I think as a destination, it it just kind of disappears off people's it's, radar. For some it's reason. that part of the world. People don't really travel to that part of the world, I feel like. Yeah. And it's super expensive, actually. Jordan was double the dollar. Oh, so wow. They're, they're Jordan Dinar, I think. I forget what they call their Jordan dollar. But I had to, like, just the entrance fee into Petra was 100 US dollars just to oh, go shit. into Petra. It was like, oh, yeah, wow. it's like the most expensive archaeological site I've ever been, but incredible. Yeah, so yeah. incredible. I mean, it's huge, and you can just walk and just get lost, and you can explore all these caves and. and well, it's just one of those it. places. It doesn't look real when when you no, when you. It doesn't look real. I mean, it does look like the set of an Indiana Jones film. It's like, like they've made it just for that. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the idea that they've they've kind of yeah is worth a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, have, have you got any kind of any thoughts on all these kind of like you know? on these ancient civilizations, the kind of like, you know, the, the, the Machu Picchu's and the, and the sort of the Petra's and did you sort of buy into the kind of, uh, there was like a, a, a pre-existing sort of super society or something yeah, like that? I feel like there has to be, I feel like there has to be, there's no way. I mean like with the Gobekli Tepe and all the different uh, yeah, stuff in that crazy. area, you know, something interesting when I was in Gobekli Tepe, something I learned that I was very actually surprised to learn is that their sites like Gobekli Tepe, in every direction mm, yeah, from yeah. the same culture with the t-shaped pillars with mm-hmm. the carved animals on the t-shaped pillars in like hours in, in every for some reason gobekli tepe gets like maybe it was the first one that they found or something was, yeah. but people talk about gobekli tepe you know how crazy where 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 are the homes of the people that built it where is their tools it's like man you guys have excavated like a percentage of gobekli tepe and there's whoever built that was a huge civilization. I went to a second site, Karahan Tepe, which is probably an hour and a half. I think it was 30 miles. Mm-hmm. So these people were, I mean, these two sites, 30 miles apart. They've not, they now believe this is the settlement of the people that built Gobekli Tepe. They think okay. these are the houses and stuff. Uh, it's huge. It's, it's, it, this one is bigger than Gobekli Tepe and might even be older than Gobekli Tepe. And then you go, you know, 30 miles in the other direction. There's another type of tepi and then up, you know, an hour in that direction. So whoever was building 
these structures 12,000 years ago at the end of the last ice age. It was a, it was a civilization, a super civilization. You know, they completely had taken over that area of, mm-hmm. you know, southern Turkey and Syria, northern Syria. And, I mean, these guys were, it was, they, I think Gobekli Tepe is, isn't it the biggest megalithic structure ever and the oldest? I believe so, and they've only think they've um, excavated yep. like a fifth of it. Yeah, based like on that. the sonar, I think they're anticipating that it's bigger than any other megalithic yeah. site. So twelve thousand years ago, these guys were building these huge sites all around this area in in, in miles and miles and miles in every direction. And then they filled it in intricate <laughs> carvings, intricate carvings of animals that pop out mm-hmm. of the of the rock. You know, normal. Okay. I would still be impressed if they were carving into the rock, but to carve the rock out so the animal is three-dimensional and popping off the rock, that's like, you don't just learn that overnight. That's like a clear, you know, lineage trait that is probably passed down over generation and generation and generation. So these guys, this was an obvious, this is a lost civilization that we know nothing about outside that they built these T-shaped pillars. But yeah. I mean, in Karahan Tepe, they found crocodile bones lion bones in turkey so that means twelve thousand years ago this place would have been populated with animals and it would have had water through it yeah it's insane yeah it's it definitely i mean I, I, it's go back to so on my list of places to visit because i'm i'm like a uber nerd for all the kind of the graham hancock sort of yeah, civilizations and stuff and uh yeah it, it's kind of it's i think it's like the answer to all these kind of questions of like well you know where where are these civilizations and that that were older you know older than the, the pyramids or the date that they was given to the pyramids and then when Gobekli Tepe, uh, Tepe comes up then it's yeah it just kind of smashes that argument wide open yeah Gobekli Tepe is not even it's not even like uh, it's not even that cool when you realize like oh my god like these people were this was huge this is a huge civilization. There's yeah. no way. I don't I don't even actually understand how they can claim that that civilization isn't older than we think. That this is the proof. All these tepes, Gobekli Tepe, Karahan Tepe, that's mm-hmm. the proof that there is absolutely without a question of a doubt uh, the civilization is older they I so 12,000 years ago just for people that are listening and don't know. This is before written language. This is before agriculture, before the invention of the wheel. This is before pottery there's no way yeah and, and it's and it's kind of like you mentioned it's fully baked it's so that the skill the stone masonry skills yeah it's fully baked. Are, are, are already there it's not like there's you know this is not somebody's first attempt at it yeah. and it's very intricate in it's you know the the raising of these stones the carving 25 of these stones, tons. The design. yeah it's it's absolutely insane so it's it's kind of there must have been, even if even if that was, you know, the very first civilization, then there's there must have been a something that was building up to that over a number of years yeah, to, to, get, ha- to, has to, to get to that point. So yeah, I mean, it, it abs- absolutely boggles the mind. I think there's no way that's the first. If that's the first, then that's a really really significant site. If that's the mm-hmm. first civilization, but my gut tells me that there's probably tons tons of more civilizations. Yeah, I I, I kind of def- go with the the, the idea of this is a civilization kind of migrating outwards and that's why we're kind of you know we're seeing all over the world all these kind of monolithic things i mean i I think part of it is that we're just so um 
underwhelmed by the things which are under our nose. And I, I got this when I went to uh, Stonehenge in my sort of native England. And, you know, Stonehenge is very distinctive and everyone knows the kind of, you know, the, the pillars, which in themselves is, is just mind-blowing. Like, who the fuck wakes up in the morning and thinks, I'm going to erect this massive stone and this massive and then stick another one on top? It, it's the amount of motivation you would need to get people to agree to that is, like, I mean, it would have to be, you would have to have some kind of I mean, the, yeah, by that the just design. inspired me to elaborate on Gobekli Tepe a little bit is that like this is before language, written language. This is before uh, like all the stuff I just said before the wheel um, and before settlements too. this is before we, we had settlements. But yet these people somehow had the social structure and the organization skills and the manpower and the food sources to mm-hmm. be able to erect all this. You would clearly need settlements. It's like you said, like who how are you going to get people to do this? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, imagine like Gobekli Tepe, these are supposed to be nomadic hunter and gatherers. You're supposed to be out nomadically hunting and gathering. Like where do you have the time to build these temples? And yeah, the time, like say the resources, because you've got to, it it takes an amount of, like say food resources, you know, inspiration, agreement. Yeah. And it's not, it's no small potatoes, but the, the part I, I was kind of interested in, in Stonehenge, which uh, gets lost to people, is the, the thing itself is built on an, on an earthworks. So the, the ground itself has been sort of carved out and raised. So th- they had to build like the actual, the ground first before they started putting the things on. And even that is just, I mean, I, I, I've seen certain sites in, a, in America as well, where I, again, I think they just they go completely unnoticed, where the ground itself has been sculpted into just involving you know incredible tonnages of movement of dirt and 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 rock to make some sort of meaningful pattern which then has had something built on top of it and this is just not something that you 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 just decide to do on one morning so and but but because it's there you know everyone in england's like oh it's it's stonehenge it's it's on a bit of a hill it's like yeah but the the hill itself is fucking significant like and it's a calendar too yeah, yeah. It's, so it has like astrological significance. Yeah, I mean that, that's I think the, the it was so tied into the kind of the pagan culture and which is dependent upon you know this is the time to plant the crops, this is the time to harvest, this is the winter is coming now. So yeah, you need these kind of these kind of timekeeping devices. And I, and I believe Gobekli Tepe's got some kind of similar thing going on. But then one of the most interesting parts is, is that they filled the whole thing in and like yeah. like it's like they were as though it was. Pre- they were storing it for for some kind of unearthing event or yeah. preserving it for future generations. And that's crazy in itself, just to, to go through that kind of effort of making the thing. It probably would have took more time to bury it. For God, yeah. I mean, I mean, they say stuff like this around the pyramids, like it, like the, the ramps would have taken, to put the blocks in place, would have taken greater volume than the stones themselves and all sorts of crazy shit. So yeah, it's a, one of those things. I think it, I think it all ties very nicely in with, especially like the psychedelic um, experience, because you you I, I don't know if you get, but I, I just start seeing all this kind of like ancient architecture kind of stuff. It yeah, seems very hard coded into psychedelics, which just makes me kind of think that it is people trying to recreate um, heaven on earth, basically, because. It's again, it, that would be the kind of the divine motivation you would need to get off your ass and like, hey, guys, are we going to move this pile of ridiculously large blocks into this formation because of, 
you know, the heaven that we experience. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm game. Let's do that. If, if that's going to bring the portal around, then let's go for it. But it, yeah, it's a. Uh, all that stuff absolutely, uh, absolutely blows my mind. And uh, I wonder I'd love if, to... they, if they also buried Karahan Tepe and those other Tepes. I'll have to look into it because if they buried all those sites, like you should look at a, at a map. I don't know if you have before. Have you ever looked at the map of all? The yeah, yeah. They're, 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 it's kind of an, it's like a like yeah. a, it's a crescent formation, isn't it? But I think they're they're very sort of close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from what I from my understanding is, it looks like they were all deliberately buried. Which is insane. Again, it's 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 this like a time capsule. I mean, it, it really does get the kind of the. Cons- I don't I don't know if I'd want to call it conspiracy, but the that I mean, kind of imagination is impossible to ever to ever begin to understand why they would do that. Maybe maybe it's just the preservation of knowledge. I mean that that was that's the kind of the. It would the be cool if they were if it. they had the foresight to do that. They were like, okay, we're going to bury all this for people to find. Yeah, I, I, our civilization's fucked. We had our chance. We we blew it. So here's here's our best attempt at, at leaving something for for the future. Don't don't <laughs> fuck it up again, people. So crazy. That'd be so crazy if that's what it is. Maybe, man. If, if, if after if only we could sort of uh, decode it. I would love to to hang out with someone from ten thousand years ago. Oh God, yeah. So I mean, I mean, just just to see what's what's going on in any of these. I wonder what they no, think. Like, do you think they they perceive the world the same kind of way that we do? Like, they must. Or God no, God no. I mean, I mean, this is one thing I, I think is kind of cool about the you know like the Bible or, or like the religious texts and you know, I'm uh, you know, people sort of. I mean, I've certainly been through this kind of like hardcore atheist phase where I just kind of dim- dismiss these things out of hand. But I think if you look at them as a a window of this was our ancestors trying to understand shit, then they're kind of fascinating. I mean, when you, you especially like the Old Testament sort of stuff, it's like, it's insane. It's just so fucking mental. But this is someone trying to comprehend the world who doesn't have any of the the, the tools or that, that we have or the knowledge and the comprehension that, you know, there is different continents with different biomes and different sort of, you know, animal. there's something just over there beyond the horizon if you just, you know, so, and I think in in that sort of framework where it's just you and the God, the creator of the universe, and you've got to you've got to make sense of why your life is like this, then it's it's kind of fascinating. But yeah, I think it's um, it I think it's part of our uh, like consciousness evolution um, that that's what we needed at that time to comprehend the world. I don't think it works today. In, in the current world, not not in the hardcore sort of form. So I think like the people who look at the Bible is like, yeah, th- this is the absolute word of God. But I think that, you know, the, the ideas of having a relationship with, you know, like the higher power that I talked about before, I think these are something that I, we, we've, I don't think that, I don't think that's a bad idea to, to sort of keep, keep in there. Although certainly I wouldn't frame it within like the 10 commandments or all that kind of shit. Um, but what, what about yourselves? You, well, I love, I actually love Christianity. I've done so many little Christian pilgrimages. Like in, in Jordan, I went to the Moses Memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to Jerusalem and went to all the holy sites. I went to Bethlehem and went to where Jesus was born. Um, just religions in general are super interesting uh, to sure. me. Christianity has been an interesting one because I have revolted from it. 
I think then naturally I was just, you know, kind of as a rebellion against the way I was raised. Uh, but then I kind of found through psychedelics, started to find my way back to it and find myself uh, sort of observing it from a new way. And uh, yeah, I find that I, I really, uh, I really kind of love like the Christian stuff now. Um, me and your mate, Tom, you know, Tom, mm-hmm. he's, he's actually reading the Bible right now. So sometimes like the last few months we've been, you know, we call once every maybe like once a month we'll call and we'll just have like these three hour conversations about the Bible. He just kind of fills me in about everything he's reading. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, actually yesterday we did a podcast with Tommy Chong. You know who Tommy Chong is? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> we did a podcast with Tommy Chong yesterday for Pete, for, for, uh, for Tom's podcast and, uh, for your mate, Tom's podcast. And, uh, Tommy Chong was he's he's super into Jesus and stuff too, and we spent the whole podcast basically talking about that. But um, yeah, I think I think Christianity, there's a lot. I think because we were raised with it, and we, or I don't know if you were raised with it, but me personally, I was. Yeah, it was yeah. Yeah, I was raised with it, and um, we were raised by it from people that have no idea what they're even talking about. Mm. So like we see that uh, it doesn't work. We see like, oh, you know, you're preaching love, you're preaching compassion, you're preaching the word of Jesus and whatever. But I see that it doesn't work in your own life. So ultimately, I can see it's bullshit. That's how I was kind of my yeah. conclusion of it. I was like, you know, you're drunk. You're not, you know, you don't even know what you're talking about when you talk about God. So this religion's bullshit. But, you know, I've, I really am finding the symbolism in the story of Jesus to be like super powerful. And I'm starting to understand it from a different way. And the psychedelics really opened me up to that. Um, I have visions of, of all kinds of Christian stuff and ayahuasca, mushrooms. This, like I was in Mexico and I did this, uh, this mushroom trip with this old lady, probably a hundred year old lady in her living room, just like, scrunched up on this couch. She gave me this pile of mushrooms and big picture of mother Mary and the Pope just staring down at me next to this couch. And I was just watching it all night as like she was lighting go Paul. So the whole room was hot boxed with incense and uh just yeah it was the mushroom was just like telling me all sorts of stuff about jesus and mother mary it told me that mother mary the symbol of mother mary actually is a symbol of the earth personified Mm. and it was saying the virgin birth is the earth because the earth just gives birth to it's it's a it's a womb for souls to take birth and there's nothing required there's no penetration or anything required for the earth to give birth to all the life that is here so it's a ver it's the virgin it is the virgin mary that is the earth mushroom told me this and uh one time on ayahuasca it told me jesus who the ayahuasca was like jesus is like an ikaro it's the sacred song that's being echoed through time and the people that are in tuned enough or in the medicine enough to hear it are healed from this here they're healed from the ikaro so i don't know i always get these little these little poetic revelations about christianity on this when i take psychedelics uh and it's it's been interesting to reconnect with you know with uh, a religion that so many of us don't give the time of day it's yeah. almost cool it's almost it almost seems like now it's almost more rebellion <laughs> it's almost more rebellious to be to go back to Christianity. Everyone's gone so far out. It's, it feels like it's more like a rebellious act to go back. Meta Christianity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I had a similar kind of thing too because in all the schools in in UK are pretty much Christian schools. So I was singing hymns every morning. You know, we would be in church like sort of once a week. 
sort of during Harvest Festival and all, all it was it was deeply religious upbringing. And I, like yourself, I, I, I was kind of when I came into my own was repulsed by it because it just seemed so mean, meaningless. It was so going through the motions. But like yourself, I, I've, I've, I've come to appreciate that there is there is something here that is um, something that was trying to be communicated. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it sounds a little bit snobby, but I think people need to spend more time finding the meaning within these stories rather than just accepting it as, as a as a dogma and mm-hmm. i think if if you can do that then it's um it's yeah, a reaction think... it's a reaction to dogma it's mm-hmm. like oh god get this shit away from me like you don't even mm-hmm. want to look at it it's a total reaction but it, i mean it's held up for a reason it's just the people that are talking about it are really bad people and really annoying people yeah i wanted just to sort of look loop that around into your experiences with being in the Middle East. And I know you've, you've done some some videos and some some talks recently about the situation in um, in Israel and Palestine. And I'm just going to just throw in a quick disclaimer. I'm I am not particularly educated on the you know what's been going on in the in the sort of yeah. in, in the, so I don't want I don't want to make some sort of stance on it. But I thought I would the, the point I wanted to try and uh, or the discussion point I wanted to have with you was. With your experiences of, you know, psychedelics and sort of consciousness and, you know, uh, talking about uh, a an evolution of sort of humanity and, and us raising ourselves to, you know, the next level to sort of you know, hopefully solve the world's problems or whatever. But then you've had these very sort of passionate, um, you know, discussions of the situation in the Middle East. I just wondered what you thought around... Do you do you feel that that conflict is just baked into us? Like, it, it, it just seems when when I, I I saw your videos on Israel and Palestine, and I you know I think I would probably mirror your responses. Now there's, there's some heartbreaking situations going on here, and I know you've got friends on both sides. I think, but the the spirit for want of a better of, of conflict is just so. It baked in it, it it seems inseparable and i just i wondered if, if that clashed at all with your kind of optimism of humanity really um for me like ultimately i recognize from an absolute position that it doesn't matter you know nothing ultimately matters what you know hurricanes happen and wars happen it's all sort of a natural process of the whirlwind of creation but you know i think i want i want to see an overthrow of the american government well in there or or... (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think the i think america plays such um such america funds what's happening in israel and the middle east and other countries europe funds it also and uh but I think, you know, when I was in the Middle East uh, or when I was in uh, walking around Palestine, the bombs that are just in the streets of Bethlehem where Jesus is born, you pick them up. It says made in the USA. And the people there that I talk to, they say, you know, that your government is the reason for this giant wall right here in front of my house. And, uh, you know, you see crazy things in Palestine, in Palestine. you know, the, the Israeli soldiers are. 17 18 years old they are full of you know just teenage angst and testosterone and they shoot at the schools and they shoot at 
you know, just crazy shit. And, um, you know, I think, um, I have like, uh, I just have a, a fire in me that, that, uh, I think conflict, conflict is, you know, it's a, it's not like the most, um, liberating, it's not going to liberate you from anything, you know, conflict. But, uh, I think humans have such a fire to just like, you know, we're a primate in us. So there's, there's like a huge part of me that just loves to, uh, to, to keep on uh, fighting this fight. And I think that I would love to see, yeah, like I said, an overthrow of the government and, and corruption and all these uh, governments and politicians that just got their hands in this bad business that's, you know, having people on children on both sides, you know, 18 year olds on both sides fight each other over ideas. And these ideas are, are, are ultimately, um, yeah, I, I don't even know if, and I, I'm not going to say that these people don't believe these ideas, but I think that these ideas are they're indoctrinated in to these lives of these people so that this conflict can happen. You know, I feel like there's a lot of money to be made when you have these conflicts and uh, the U.S. funds both sides. Biden gave money to Hamas. Biden gives money to Israel, to the military. So, you know, there's weapon. There's lots of weapon deals that are being made. And mm. it's just, um, you know, it's it's real bad. It's real bad business. And um, I think psychedelics have showed me in my life you know some spiritual truths like i said like ultimately things are are everything's cool ultimately in the scheme of the universe everything's cool and you know there's no reason really to freak out but it's also um i recognize that there's a relative fight that uh i'd like to take part of you know i have this youtube channel that has given me a little bit of followers and stuff so if i can amplify the voices of people that i feel like maybe you know, help share their stories and maybe, maybe something can happen. You know, even if one person, uh, sees the world differently, you know, the revolution ultimately is, is, is a revolution with the self. Mm. So if we can, you know, inspire the people in our own world to sort of reclaim power, uh, then the revolution happens naturally. There's no, you know, there's no need for wars or anything. And these people, they stop having power when we reclaim our own power. So, you know, I feel like the psychedelics have, they, they show you both things, I think, you know, there's, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely like, uh, a, a radiance to the, to get your shit together in this psychedelic experience sometimes, you know, but there's also a radiance of like, your shit is already together. You're all right. You're safe. Everything's mm-hmm. cool. So I think you get both of, uh, you get the polarities and yeah, I mean, just natural as a human, I think that, um, it's our duty to, you know, help people that need help if we can help them, even if, even if it's just, you know, about t- you know, talking about it. And it's hard with a situation like with this, you know, because it's an ideological situation in some regard. So it's like it's like taking a position almost, you know, which can put you it puts you on the wrong side in someone else's perspective. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have in the world today. It's just everything is so fucking binary it's like there's yeah. you you you're just not allowed to have an opinion yeah. where, you, where you say like look this here is bad but look this here is also bad yeah. you know it's you're either and i i feel i do feel this is even just even more extreme in america because it's just everything is is democrat republican My you know God, it's either left yeah, right. yeah and and it's and, and, you, <laughs> and, and you cannot be like 
a little bit left and, and a little bit right. You've you've got to you know, or, or at least it, it, no matter what you are, society will put you into one of these yeah. sort of factions, and that's exactly what you, uh, you know it how it appears to me. It's psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah, and it's just and it's so fucking stupid. I mean, to, like that, the, the the middle, you know. The, there is kind of truth in both of these things, and there is, and both these is. things are equally bullshit. Yeah, and of course. but it just seems like we're not Talk allowed about to witchcraft. This is this is the nature of witchcraft and the nature of spells. Is this right here? This is a perfect example of what a real spell is. Is that there are these people, the cultural dictators, the narrative writers of our society. They they project a certain version of reality. Yeah. And which benefits them through, and they use language and they use media to symbols to sort of mold this reality and have us fighting with each other and overly identifying with abstract concepts that, you know, maybe don't even have anything to do with us or they're forced upon us to have something to do with us. That's dark magic, man. We're experiencing, we're experiencing some, some dark magic. Yeah. I mean, it, it does. I think it feels like that and that ties into what you said earlier. Like there, it does feel like there is some kind of shift going on in in the kind of the world today around. It's gonna but, there's there's it's gonna happen. There's no way that it just it doesn't. This is the end of like, America. For <laughs> this is the end of something. Yeah, yeah. this is the end. There, there's something new happening, and I feel like everyone feels it. And it's just I suppose that then the question is like what. What what is the thing that replaces it? Is it something better, or you know, how much of a of a hand we're can we have? It, have in the- we're in, ex- in an in an extreme swing of the pendulum. I don't know if we'll be alive to see where w- w- like what happens when the water settles, but uh, yeah, who knows where it's leading? But we're we're gonna, we're definitely going to be in like the beginning of like the thickness. Mm. Yeah, I think this this is a it will be one of those turning points in a. In history, uh, there was just there's one more thing I wanted to to pick your brains on, mate, and I, it's it's a bit of a, a kind of a weird topic, but I, mm-hmm. I, I think you're in a kind of unique position to have an opinion on this. And so this is around um, it's going back to the um, sort of psychedelic retreats in in South America. They, just in regards, because I know that the, the retreats you've just been doing in, in uh, Mexico are kind of heavily based around like five meo and, and sapo, and stuff. so I've, I've seen a lot of your videos on that. But then the, the kind of the the thing that's that has been on my mind recently is, um, and, that, and just to be clear, I've I've done uh, you know toad medicines, Cambo, five meo, so I'm not sort of getting on a high horse. But I've, I've it's been on my mind. It's like is is this is this sort of ethical? Um, I, I, I'm around the toad medicines because I, I feel like it's or it, it occurred to me that it's. It's kind of going under the same umbrella as plant medicines, so that this is something sustainable and this is something which is which we can just pluck out of nature. But it's kind of not, and you know, I know there's a big thing around sort of like you know Sonoran toads and sort of being mistreated and sort of being abused, and and, and even if they're not being abused by some people, then at the point where they're being released back into the wild, then they can certainly be abused. You know, nobody has any idea whether this toad's been drained or not. And that's that's been something again, like I talked about with Octavia. It's something I've I've been having clashing with. Like shit, how do I feel about this in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, a, a kind of a culture that I'm a part of. You know, I've got my stripe of Campbell scars down, down my arm. Um, but yeah, is is this 
some you know is 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 there something wrong is this kind of as clueless as um as you know some generations might think we're clueless about just throwing garbage into you know in, into the street or something like that and so yeah since you've been so close to these kind of medicines i just wonder what your take was there um so i went to sonora to learn about the toad and learn about conservation and learn about the Suris who have now sort of adapted it into their shamanic traditions. They're sort mm-hmm. of the guardians of the sapo. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're who Octavio got permission to give the ceremonies from. Yeah. He went to the Suri, the Suris. And, um, you know, uh, they told me that it's really bad business to, to, to mess with the toad. Uh, the cartel's really involved. The cartel comes to the tribe with guns, tells them to stop milking the toads because they, they you know, the cartel's it. making money. The cartel's yeah. making money from it now. And the tribe told me that the, um, the populations of the sapos in the area, they said like during the rainy season, there'd be like, uh, like the, they hang out under the streetlights. So they mm-hmm. say you see the toads by the puddles under the streetlights because that's where yeah. the bugs are all at. Yeah. They'd say they'd be like, there used to be 40, 50 toads that just are always hanging out over there. They said within a year, it's down to like 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 toads. I mean, that's a, that's a significant drop. Um, and also, just to, uh, on the other side of that, these toads are highly invasive in Florida, parts of Australia, and they're thriving and living, you know, very luxuriously in, in, in t- huge numbers in, in different areas ar- around the world. Um, but in the Sonora Desert, where they're from, they're uh, being overmilked and being uh, and having their habitat destroyed through construction and other things too. Um, I've never tried the the um, synthetic version. I've heard it's pretty much the same. Mm. I'm uh, yeah, I'm a proponent of saying we, we should stop using the toad. Um, it's something that I talked to Arcana about. We've talked to it, and it's something that they are looking into. Um, well, I just got this book right here. I don't know if you have seen this or if you got the it's the um, Hamilton. Oh Lewis. yeah, yeah. I, I saw I saw the uh, the episode where he found the the guy who created it. It's a fascinating yeah, story. Ken Ken Nelson. So this right here, and like this says, I don't know if you can see it. it says, mm-hmm. Leave the leave the toads alone. Um, I think this is here is how to make the synthetic. There's like an equation or something, I don't know, or chemistry, something about how to do it. Anyways, yeah, you can buy this book if you, if anyone wants to become like a, a Walter White of 5-MEO. Um, yeah, I think we should stop using the toad. I think it's uh, it's probably bad business, and who knows, unless you're milking it, milking it yourself or getting it from the person that milks it, you're probably supporting the cartel. Yeah. Um. The Surrey people don't even really seem like the like the sort of tribal leader or whatever, you know, like the like the older guy that sort of represents the Surrey traditions. His name is Chapo. He doesn't really even like using the sapo. He just sticks to their traditional med- medicine songs and they actually um to go back to Octavio, they uh don't want him doing it anymore. Yeah. I think they they've requested they told him to stop giving the ceremonies. Um, so yeah, they, they, those people that are sort of the guardians of the traditions, you know, uh, of the new tradition, they, they don't want people doing it really, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, from, from my experience with the, the synthetic, it is, 
I mean, I, I would actually, I had a, a, a better experience with the synthetic than I did with the toad, just because you could dial it in so much more kind of accurately. You, you, you can sort of, first of all, it's just, it's just easier to smoke. And secondly, like I say, you, you can be much more, you, you kind of know what you're getting. If you say, you know, give, it's give, the best though. I oh, love five oh, MEO. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's. You ever microdose it? Or not microdose, but like the little hits? Well, I mean, that's that's the one thing with the... Uh, so when I've done with the uh, the Toad Venom, it's always just been the, the, the macro dosing. Um, and then when I got the synthetic, I th- tried what I thought was going to be a test dose and was just completely... Um, I only I tried like sort of five milligrams or something like that. And I was, yeah, deeper than I'd ever been on it. So the the synthetic stuff is, is crazy where strong. Where did you get that from? Is that well, like, uh, is it legal or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here I, I could order it just online and have it come through the post. Um, so in a lot of places in Europe, um, yeah, you can just order it online as a research chemical and it's, it comes through custom stamped. It tells you exactly what it is. So it's no sort of. It's even legal here. In, in the US? No, man, it's yeah. not. It's not. <laughs> no. You should have, you should have got some when you're on your travels, mate. And I'm, I'm sure it, w- it won't be a problem for you. Even next time you just don't, you know, you're, you're in this neck of the woods, um, like Czech, Czech Republic, um, Switzerland, where I am, Spain, Portugal, yeah, all these places oh. you can just mail order it. Like, so when I would, uh, so in Mexico, I was facilitating. So I had like the job of being a facilitator, like when you were there, like, you know, helping out during the ceremonies and stuff, helping people watch the bathroom, changing buckets or whatever. Um, I would also facilitate the sapo ceremonies. So when people couldn't finish, like when they didn't finish their dose, I would finish it for them. <laughs> just like, oh shit, it's a dangerous it's game, mate. <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing. Every week, I was doing. I did sapo once a week for two months straight. And how did how did you sort of the little doses, not the big ones? Well, but sometimes it's the little doses that are kind of be, because you you have the the big doses and you kind of. You, you know where you are. You've had the fucking big dose. But when you have the little doses, just realities just change that little bit. And like when, when, when you're doing something um, like what you described, where you, you're just having the little bits and, and you've not geared yourself up for the full dose, then I think those things almost get a, a lot weirder in, in the, Dude, little, the little space. I feel like I can see people's energies. I can see like all kinds of crazy stuff when I take it. It's really cool. I love the little doses. I just mm. finished it off, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Whoa!" Wah, wah, wah. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's when you hear when you um the sound goes into that sort of extra realm. That's that's a bit where I was like, "Oh wow!" It's like it goes off into like pixie, the pixie channel of 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 audio ness. It's it's just crazy. That's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna try to try to find some here somehow. It's yeah. I mean, if, if you can get get your hands on it, I would say it's it's. I wonder if it's legal in Mexico. Let's see. I would, I would imagine. What is it called? No, it, it's what it's called, 5 ml DMT. And I'm pretty sure it is legal in Mexico because that's where Hamilton Morris uh, made it. He, in, I think it's in the same episode as the um, as the one with the frog pamphlet um, that he, he goes to a lab and he comes, sort of makes a big, a big vial of it. Huh, I wonder if wherever you got it, I wonder if they shipped to Mexico or if it's only like... Uh... I'm sure they would. I'll, I'll send you the. Uh, I'll send you cool, the, yeah. the, the details yeah, of the place after I got it from. But yeah, I, I think I think that's a way we should we should go in terms of sort of retreats. But again, I, I was a little kind of concerned that the 
the people were putting the onus on the kind of the, the frogginess of it as though it, it's rather than sort of um, when I think that the, the experience is just there to be had without sort of hurting, yeah. hurting the frog. So it's cool that uh, that retreats are looking into that. I think it'll make it a lot more sustainable. Yeah. I mean, if we can do it without hurting something, I guess we should. I understand the argument that there is a spirit to it when you do it with the toad. That's kind of like, uh, because I did ask the Surrey too. I was like, what do you think about the synthetic versus the toad? Do you think we should start using synthetic? And they said, yeah, but <clears throat> the toad is, you know, there's a spirit that's healing you. So I understand that too. But, you know, I mean, if you're getting the same experience, then it's, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of between worlds there. On, on the one hand, like when, when I'm there in, in the jungle, I'm drinking ayahuasca and, and shit's going down and you know ecros are pouring out of the ceiling then i'm like yeah of course it's spirits Duh. Yeah, it's, it's just so obvious yeah. it clubs you over the head um but then i i've also had experiences here uh, just in my own home and i've i had a very distinct when you talk like the, the mushroom speaks i had one where i think i was doing like uh farm hawaska or, or like oral dmt and it just kind of you know i, I was as it was coming up, I was like saying a quick, like sort of play, like, like please, please, Mother Ayahuasca, like please be mm. gentle with me. And the voice just came to me really clearly. Um, it, it it doesn't matter how you get here, as long as you get here. And I was like, oh, okay, that that was kind of a very reassuring thing to hear because there's a, there's a kind of a collision between, um, tr- you know, the traditional way being the only way, and the kind of the approach which I'm guessing most people will take is the, is the DIY kind of you know do LSD or mushrooms or whatever in, in your own home, and that kind of was was quite reassuring to me that there, there is acceptance by the spirits of, of these uh, these things. So yeah, I, I think that's uh, yeah the, the spirit thing. Is, I'm a kind of agnostic, I would say on on, on that bit. Yeah, I mean I. My personal belief is that there is probably some sort of weird intelligence that lurks in these realms. And like the voice of the mushroom is, I th- I personally think it's, it's like an external intelligence that's we're communicating with. That's my personal belief. Um, uh, the toad, I'm not sure if the toad, the five MEO, I don't think you, lo- I don't think you lose an experience with uh, the synthetic versus the toad uh, with mushrooms. I would be curious to see if the voice is still there through mm. synthetic psilocybin. I'd be curious to test that. Yeah, I've never tried synthetic psilocybin, but I, think, I mean, I I think this this is one of the things why why I grapple with it a little bit because as soon as you start talking about spirits, it conjures up a kind of this world of you know kind of woo wooiness. Um, but my personal like lived in experience is that. From, from in some way that I, I cannot explain and I'm not even going to try to. Yeah, I, I think you are you are consuming the consciousness of an of another kind of being, and so yeah. it kind of makes there is a a fusing of that consciousness with your own. And you know, we we don't really understand what consciousness is anyway. Or, or right. and especially I, I, the mushroom. I mean, you think of the mushroom. The mushroom is the oldest being on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's the first land life that came out of the water. It has. We are essentially fungal expressions you know we evolved from a mushroom body you know billions of years ago or whatever so i think maybe potentially when you eat the mushroom you can be connecting to the genetic 
memory like encoded in the dna from billions of years and that's what you're, you're just tapping into like this yeah. super well of knowledge that's just been you know as you know in encompassed in time and it certainly feels like that i mean that's that that feeling of uh, a lineage you know and I, I think this you know what i said earlier about you feel your place in the universe and you, you feel mm-hmm. it because in that moment you you have access to that kind of like you know akashic record of everything that ever happened because you were you were experiencing through this kind of this networking of this biological networking and i i heard a really good quote on on some podcast whereas because of the um the the place of mushrooms as um you know like say as, as this um ancestor but also as this um the thing which sort of you know it's fungus and that that clears you know the corpses away and sort of you know clears away all the, all the dead wood and the quote was um mushroom the space we exist in like like the literally the ground with something is 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 there because mushrooms cleared the way for us like mm-hmm. otherwise we would be like miles deep in corpses by now if, if the mushrooms were not if the mushroom kingdom was not decomposing all this stuff and recycling it all then yeah, we'd just be living in piles of twigs and, and rotten corpses. You know what the mushroom told me in my last ceremony? Oh. Okay, so I took I took mushrooms during an ayahuasca ceremony. That was bold. <laughs> Super cool. I mean, I didn't drink ayahuasca, just mushrooms. Oh, okay, okay. And um, the mushroom told me this was the craziest trip I ever had. This is seriously, it's, I'm still like coming down from it. This was probably like a month ago. Was this experience? The mushroom, because I was like, I was just sort of thinking about ayahuasca in my head. And I was like, you know, I don't know, just thinking about stuff. And the mushroom sort of giggled and it said, even the plants bow to me. And it said that like, uh, well, so the conversation I was having with the mushroom, the mushroom told me it was going to eat me one day. (laughs) (laughs) It said, I'm going to eat you one day. Meaning that like one day I'm going to die and the mushrooms are going to, like, like you just said, are going to decompose my body. And I was like, oh, man, like, what does that even mean? And the mushroom said it means we're eternal friends. I was like, oh, fuck. And then I remember just thinking, I was like, well, what about like ayahuasca? Like ayahuasca doesn't talk to me like this. <laughs> and uh, it was like ayahuasca, she's the genie of the jungle. But even she bows to me. Even the plant, mm-hmm. the plant queendom bows to me because they know their fate is the same. That one day I'm going to eat all of this. All of this is is you like what you call time is actually the digestive tract of all of you being eaten by me one day. But that's actually a quite a, a good, I mean, you can, you can map that onto what you were saying earlier about, you know, the consciousness within these psychedelic experiences. And when mm-hmm. I, you know, if I experienced something similar where you, you have the experience that you are connecting back to this, you know, universal consciousness, mm-hmm. this source and, biologically that that is you know like we like i just said we take the mushroom we consume that spirit and we fuse with that spirit temporarily and we have this experience of the mushrooms experience and Mm -hmm. we ourselves are going to do that in reverse we're going to fuse back to the mushrooms and rejoin that sauce exactly as we've already kind of experienced and it's i think when in that kind of um framing it's yeah, I mean that is like I said, the mushroom will eat you. You are going to, you will be the thing that the mushroom eternal can friends. Yeah, yeah, and the cycle's kind of going to going to go round and round we again. Eat the mushroom, the mushroom eats us. But ultimately, it will be the mushroom that is left. Yeah. All that, that's yeah. a great quote, man. All bow, everything will bow to the mushroom. Even the plants bow to me. It said, and you know, I, so uh, a magical tool that I learned from Alistair Crowley 
was that when you come in contact with a voice, with a spirit, to ask it its name, if you can mm. learn the name of a spirit, you gain its powers, and you can call. It's actually essentially what like the Shabibos do with the uh, with their plants that they diet. They diet these plants, they befriend the spirit, and then during the Ikaros, they call upon that spirit to be mm. as an ally to help them during the ceremony. So Crowley has the same thing. He says, "Ask the spirit for for its voice." So when I was having this experience, I said, "Okay, okay, mushroom, what do I call you?" And it said. You can call me the one that chooses. I was like, what do you mean the one that chooses? And it said, I'm the one that chooses who lives and who dies. All these ecosystems are because of me. Like I'm choosing which, how this, I'm the architect of, of this whole planet. It's like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? Well, I got to get a hold of some of these mushrooms, mate. The <laughs> what, what kind of mushrooms was it you were taking? It was two little mushrooms, these little tiny mushrooms, probably a gram and a half. Oh, is shit. the craziest experience I've ever had. I don't know if it was the Icaros or if it was just like it was a full moon. I'm not sure what what was going on. Blew my socks off. Have you ever d- done mushrooms with a, like an MAOI, like ayahuasca? Because or... I've heard that's no. that's supposed to be like a, an even deeper sort of experience. I've, I've never gone there myself, but I've heard yeah. good things about it. Mushrooms are crazy. For me, I put mushrooms at the top. Mm-hmm. Even the plants out of the mushrooms. So like after the mushroom told me that i was like there's there's uh, i i trust i trust it i've seen it so clearly it came to me you ever seen that tv show back on sci-fi channel tremors is a movie tremors oh, i've seen the movie yeah with the, 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 the giant mole things big like this thing the mushroom came to me in like that it looked like that with these big teeth and it was coming out of the ground as like this worm with teeth and saliva that's what it was showing me when it told me it was going to eat me Oh, that, that sounds like ayahuasca dark sort of thing. That's a, yeah. Well, but I, I think for, for me personally, I, I put sort of ayahuasca as, as the top of my sort of tree at the moment, yeah. just because it's it's helped me so much with just mm. just getting over just sort of issues I had from from my childhood. But I, it's so not recreational um, that it's not something. Yeah, I, I it's, it's not rough for me, man. Yeah, I don't see myself doing it sort of for, for the, yeah. The shamans, I, it, I bow to the shamans that do that all once a week or, you know, however many times a week. Like in the in the Amazon jungle, the Arcana, those shamans are doing it four times a week. Yeah, yeah. God. And this is this is kind of what he's saying when you, with the, the 5MEO, it's it's like these guys are, they are living in this in this world of transformation on yeah. where, where the magic is just kind of happening. And it's, I guess when you go down that route, you are, you, you've got to like just kiss your old life goodbye because you, you're just, you are accepting this mantle of, I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, it, it's, it, it's such a, a drastic sort of change of, when you're of in life. The jungle, they talk about magic. Like it's a matter of fact, like, it's, oh, oh, that's that, that frog over there. You got to watch out for that frog. That's from a brujo. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about it. Like it's so normal. Oh, we're being attacked by brujos right now, you know? During the ceremony, oh, the shaman said that there's a brujo attack right now. We have to sit up straight. It's like fuck. <laughs> How did I get in Hogwarts? <laughs> what about yourself? Because you, like we, you said, you've been like doing facilitating. Is that something you're going to carry on with going down that de- going down that path, or do you um, see yourself walking the, the, the sort of into that shamanic path? Or no, I think this is just uh, this is just 
that was just a chapter that unfolded. It wasn't even a plan. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jose really took care of me during the pandemic. Uh, let me stay at Arcana. He paid for, we ate all the time, every day. And he paid for the food. He paid for the Wi-Fi and the lights and everything. So it was sort of my payment back to Jose was helping him with this retreat. And uh, I mean, incredible experience. You know, I got to like watch a Marakame, the Wiratika shaman that with peyote. I got to sit with him while he drank ayahuasca. I got to watch the um, Maestra Justina, the ayahuasca shaman, take peyote. So it was like this super crazy, just, you know, shaman, shamanic wet dream of, of just craziness happening. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, mate, it sounds, sounds absolutely awesome. And I, I'm, you know, like I said, I, I, I'd be lying if I say I wasn't a little bit jealous of, uh, of the, the experiences, but it's... um. I'm, I'm glad that you're having them and sort of sharing them in, in the way that you do with the rest of us. I appreciate and, uh, it. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to sort of wrap it up there, mate. We're going for some two hours and I could probably nice. do another two hours, but it, I just <laughs> want to say it's been so awesome to talk to you, mate. So th- you thanks too, again. thank you. Yeah, thanks for making the time. How do and, you uh, say your YouTube name? <laughs> yeah, uh, Adeptus Psychonautica. Adeptus. So it's, Adeptus uh, it's it's just kind of like, um, it's like pseudo pig Latin um, but the mouthful. Kind of, I look at it and my brain just like blurs it all out. Well, the, the, the kind of the idea behind it, adeptus kind of means initiate into and psychonautica being if there was such a thing as a school of psych, psychonautics. Right. So it's kind of that that's how I, I kind of perceive my own journey. Someone who is initiating to think I'm not the I'm not the master of it or professor right. of it. I'm just a, someone who's initiated onto this path of of. Yeah, if there was such History. a school. The school of the mystery school, which yeah, yeah I like uh, Terence McKenna. He he said, "I'm not a shaman. I'm a shamanologist." <laughs> I, I yeah, feel like yes. that too. That's how I feel like. I'm just, I just like to watch the shamans do their work. I don't want to be a shaman. Yeah, I mean, the, the, just the responsibility of it. I've, yeah. I've said the same thing. Like I, I, I have. I don't have the backbone to do what. what yeah, these I mean, guys you've seen, do. you've been around Wheeler, and you've been around real shamans. Like the the amount of what those guys do energy yeah and also just what's going on in the room i mean you know i've I've been there and seen people have go go through you know things i well i can't even imagine what they're going through but you know some of the 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 trauma and stuff that people live in and to to have the burden of that on your shoulder and like what happens if something goes wrong and you know people don't always react to these things in a predictable way um yeah i'm i'm glad to be on this on the kind of the, the spectator side of yeah, that fence and it too. kind of i think it, that's one of the things that blows my mind a little bit with with people who do see you know take part in like one of these ceremonies and then declare themselves to be a shaman and or something like that and i think guy dude you got you, you don't quite know what you're yeah dealing with here um or or at least i hope you know what you're dealing with because because yeah it, shit can get messy <laughs> oops you hear that that's my my uh, antivirus has expired. Did you wow. hear that noise? No, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Sorry. Well, I've actually got like a raging thunderstorm going on. Uh, yeah, I, it's I, storming okay. here too, actually. Well, they're going. It's a it's a sign that nature nature is the one that that's in control here. Yep. But anyway, mate. Like I say, thank you so much. I love talking thank to you. Thank you so much. Yes, it's opportunity, mate. I'd love to I'd love to do so again. Yeah, and, I'd love uh, to do it again too. Cool. I'm going to be taking all my podcast stuff with me to Mexico. I'm going to go back to Mexico next month. So I'll have my stuff with me if you, whenever you want. Oh, that'd be awesome, mate. I was actually I, I was pondering on coming to Mexico. When, you when you, 
you announced the, the first retreat and it just I, I think as the point uh, when you, it was coming to like shall I pull the trigger on this it kind of went on the the blacklist from where mm-hmm. I am in Switzerland so yeah I, like I said I'm really feeling the craving to go on retreat and just sort of reconnect with myself so yeah. maybe Mexico might be the place mate and it'd be great to catch up with you cool yeah if, if I'm there when you're there I'll come I'll come hang out awesome Pleasure talking to you, Dakota. Thank you. All right, dude.